This is a call to those who want incredible success, but do not necessarily want to get filthy rich. You want to help others, be purposeful, and enjoy all life has to offer. Welcome to the Inbound Marketing Revolution. This is Dow of Inbound with Ion Garlic. Hello and welcome to the Dow of Inbound. This is Ian Garlic, CEO of Authentic Web. And this week, we're going to help you accelerate your sales, which everyone listening to this needs to do. And as we've talked about before, even if you don't think you're a salesperson, you are. But for those of you that really want to take your sales to a whole new level, our guest today has helped many a company after... Starting before starting his own business, though, we're 25 years in Silicon Valley with startups, venture firms, uh, building sales teams, making awesome sales systems, and making the big sales at the in a really really tough market. Uh, our guest has written two books, including Amp Your Sales and Zero Time Selling, which won a few awards, including a bronze medal for best sales book. And he is the host of the Accelerate podcast, so all about sales, which a lot of you need, so you should be listening to. Andy Paul, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I am. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's exciting. I love, you know, I, I was in sales for, I mean, we're all in sales. Oh, you, you said it right on. We're all in sales, whether you want to be or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, but I was officially a sales guy for a long time. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. And, but I, what I love about your stuff, what I've seen and what I've heard is a philosophy that I had, but was almost tried to be pounded out of me, which was that sales isn't, it's about providing value. And it, and how do you go about coaching people into that type of sales mentality? Well, it's a great question. I mean, it's, it's cause you're right. It's, the conventional wisdom is, you know, numbers, right? We're just all about numbers. Let's go make calls and we'll, you know, make a certain number of calls and we'll generate a certain number of prospects just through sheer force of numbers. And, and I just, I never liked that math. I always thought there was a better, better math for sales, which was, yeah, I'd much rather have had fewer really high quality prospects that I was providing a great service to. And so that's really sort of the, the start of it is to say, look, you know, what I'm doing with sales is I'm providing a service to somebody. You know, some of the services to help them make a great decision about this product or service that they're evaluating. And I have sort of a simple test that I use with salespeople and, and even managers as they learn how to coach this is that, you know, every time you have the opportunity to interact with the prospect is you have to give them something of value that helps them move at least one step closer to making a decision. And so if you are in a sales situation and you're saying, okay, I'm going to go out and call on this customer, you have to ask that question, answer is, you know, why are you doing it? What's the rationale and what value is the customer going to get from their investment of time in you in that call? And if you can't answer that question, then don't go until you can answer it. I love that. Yeah, because it, it, it's not about always be closing, right? No, that's the last thing. You know, closing, and this is, you know, I've written articles about this, you know, I call the myth of the closer. And the fact is that 
at least in the business business space, but even true, I think, business to consumers, almost all decisions are made out of sight of the salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're rarely there when the customer makes the decision they're going to buy from you. So this closing is really sometimes conflated with negotiating. And, you know, there's, it's different. I mean, you're negotiating once the customer has made the decision that they want to buy from you. Well, that's, that's not closing the order. That's just doing a good job of negotiating. So you close the order through helping them decide or choose you as the vendor they want to work with. And how, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are going, I mean, we do it. We're a marketing company and we, we, we sell marketing. And so a lot of people Mm -hmm. are supplanting, thinking that they can supplant marketing, the sales aspect with just marketing, that they can automate everything. How are you overcoming that attitude and, and, and who are some of the places that you don't think that they need sales that really need the sales help? Well, I mean, I think that, that, you know, we've seen this tremendous change, obviously, through the, you know, the technology and the internet that, yeah, there's a whole class of products that formerly were bought through sales reps that are now just bought directly through some sort of e-commerce platform. And so the, the metric really becomes is, are you as a sales channel, providing value to the buyer. Meaning that the buyer can learn everything they need to know to be a make a most informed decision without the intervention of a sales rep, then the sales rep's going to go away in that business. And at that point it is just marketing that's right, creating the interest and the demand and so on. But that's still that's still a fairly small fraction of the whole business to business space. And in most cases, the customer wants a sales rep to take them through now. The, granted, the customer can learn a lot about your product and service, a lot more than they could before. So there's a lot of debate about how far through the buying process the, the buyer is before they reach out and talk to a salesperson. Regardless of what that number is, once they finally do speak to the salesperson, they have a sense of urgency about making a decision. And, you know, they want, they want value for the time that they invest in you. And so you have to be prepared at that point in time to sell to them a little bit differently than you would in the past, where one of the problems is, is too many companies, when they go out and get a lead and they go talk to that lead, is they jump right into their corporate pitch and they talk about their products and services. Well, the fact is the customer knows all that already. They've been mm-hmm. to your website. They, so you have to really start with really good questions about what their requirements are, what their needs are, what the pain point is, what their business objectives are that they're trying to accomplish. That's where you start that conversation. And if they say, well, great, but what do you do? Which chances are they won't. But if they do, you know, then you can step back and say, okay, well, let me give you a brief overview of what we do, but lead with questions. I love that. And, you know, what are some of the, what are some unusual questions that you could start with that? Because, <laughs> I mean, we, we all know like, hey, you know, what's your big pain point, et cetera. Yeah, or, I, I, I would, I'd like to hear unusual questions. That, yeah, I don't know if it's unusual, but I'm not a, I'm not a big one on pain because I, I think that most companies operate from perspective of they're trying to achieve certain objectives as opposed to trying to eliminate certain pain. You know, eliminate pain to me is like a, a fairly limited vision of what, what a company is trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And so I prefer going in and, and really orienting the questions around, you know, where do you want to be? in this, you know, whatever dimension you're talking about with the customer, where do you want to be in 12 to 18 months? And then, you know, where are you today? And so what's preventing you from getting where you are today to where you want to be? Gotcha. That's a great one. And so then that sort of, that sort of surfaces it. 
and it, but it's much more it's from a positive right point mm-hmm. of view and mm-hmm. so i i realized that i really think people should stay away from this whole idea of let's identify their pain because yeah that's it's like saying you know companies are gonna excuse me companies are gonna grow by reducing headcount right you know times yeah. get tough so let's lay people off well you never cut your way to growth exactly same way i think you know you're not gonna grow by fixing a pain point yeah oh, i love that and you know when it comes to discovering this a lot of people once again are doing this discovery through automation um you know we've heard about survey funnels etc um at what point though do you especially like software companies because i mean you have a a background silicon valley so you you Mm -hmm. know technology Mm -hmm. at what point is a salesperson is it good to start having a live sales force or i mean should you start out with it or should you go yeah i think you should i mean because you the thing is, you has if you're a startup company, let's say a small company, is there's only one way to really find out why, how you're going to be able to sell your product and why people are going to buy it, and that's by using people to go do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can yeah, you can do all the split testing you want on messaging and so on in terms of attracting interest and generating demand, but sales at ultimately always boils down to a person talking to a person, and that's really you're not. It's as much as people want to say, God, we're going to automate the sales reps out of the process. It's really not about automating them out of the process. It's really about can they deliver the value that the prospects need? And if rep, if rep can't do that, or if reps in general can't do that, then yeah, they're going to get replaced by automation, as I talked about earlier in the, in the interview. Yeah. But you need to have people go out and find out why and how and who is going to buy your product. And so I recommend, you know, don't, if you're a smaller company, is don't go out and hire if you're, you know, just started and you're wondering, okay, well, who's going to sell this? First person to go sell it is you, the founder. You need to go sell it first before you hire anybody to go sell it. Even if you've never sold a day in your life, you've got the passion, you've got the vision, you go out and you sell. And then when you've found out what it is people are buying, because that's always a hard thing. You may have a product, but that's not really what people want to buy. And so you're going to move, you know, you're going to adjust uh-huh. it and refine it and fine tune it. Once you've got that, then go hire an individual contributor to go out and start selling for you. Wow. And don't, yeah, and so too often people want to default because they don't want to sell, so I need to go hire a VP of sales and they're going to invest all this money in a manager first. Shh, don't do that. You know, go hire a team of a one salesperson, make that work, hire a second, hire a third. When it gets to the point you can't manage them directly at that point just from a time allocation, then hire a manager. That's a great system. Uh, and, so when it comes to technology, and because I'm just focusing on this because I think it's there's so many people going into the technology field, and you have an amazing background, but also you have the sales background, which is super valuable. But a lot of these people that are starting tech companies, I mean, I came out of a sales background and started a digital company. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's very rare because I talk to a lot of other people, and you know, it's probably one in fifty or sixty that has a sales background. So, what would you say? Is the if I I'm a startup and I don't want to sell, what's the first step to becoming a good salesperson? Good questions. That's really it's questions and and so you, what you want to do is you want to focus your questions as you said ask unusual questions yeah get questions that force the customer to think right because hey every sales rep is going to go in with a list of scripted questions they're going to ask but 
the hard part is for most sales rep is they have this list of scripted questions is the customer doesn't follow the script. And so they ask their first question, the customer gives them a certain response, and they look at their list, and well, none of the other questions really make sense. So you really want to focus on what's the good opening question or two that we talked about. You have that forces them to think. I call those killer questions, right? They force the customer to pause and think. And then the most effective, you want to be really prepared with good follow-up questions. And really the most effective follow-up question, so easy to teach people, is you ask your open question, the customer gives you a response, you pause for a second and say, hmm, can you tell me more? It's a beautiful question. Can you tell me more? Well, yeah, well, I'm going to get down into more another level of detail. Maybe that's your third question, too. Well, that, hmm, that's interesting. I heard that. Can you tell me more about that? So those are types of questions, really simple technique. And it's sort of like the two-year-old kid that's following around the house asking why all the time. <laughs> it's very similar to that, but you know, hopefully less annoying. But <laughs> take it to its extreme. But but tell me more becomes one of your most powerful follow up questions you can have. So get a good opening question. Like we talked about objectives. What are your objectives? They start talking about that. I said, hmm, interesting. So can you tell me more about that? Wow, that's that's fantastic. And and I hope people listening realize that that you just gave them amazing sales advice because a lot of people. Are, are going to go in there, I know, and, and, and they're like, well, I need a great sales presentation and I need uh, the, this slide deck and I need brochures and... Yeah, not at all. Not at all. So, I mean, I'll give you an example. So, I, as I said, I worked in Silicon Valley and in Southern California, but I worked for tech companies for about 25 years before starting my own company. And, and we were always the underdog. We were the little guy. We were selling, in one case, I spent a number of years at startup. We were selling multi-million dollar communication systems. Um, and we were startups selling against the really big guys. <laughs> and we had no track record, no brand name, nothing like that. But we won a ton of business. The way we did it is really through the quality of the questions we asked the customer. And um, you know, we would prepare a presentation and we'd have our slide deck ready. But we would never, not never, but rarely give it. To us, it was a great meeting if we never gave the slide deck. Mm-hmm. Love that. That's really to think about. It. Even when the first call, when they didn't really know who we were, yeah, we'd talk them through what we did, but we wouldn't spend a lot of time on you know, our capabilities and who we were and so on. It's more about, well, let's let's talk about you. And that's really what customers want. I mean, they'll, especially these days, I mean, <laughs> they can they get all that information about you online. They're going to look you up. You personally, as a sales rep, they're going to look you up on LinkedIn. They're going to look you up on Twitter. And I just did a whole interview. Somebody interviewed, interviewed me yesterday about you know personal building a personal brand. I mean, that's that's really important. But yeah, just resist the temptation to lead with a corporate pitch. And I, I wrote a blog post about a year ago called "Ditch the Pitch," and it's just on that lines. So don't start a customer call with your corporate presentation. They don't care. That is great. And, you know, with these questions, how can someone who, quote unquote, doesn't like selling and is going to go in there and maybe it's their first time or their second time or third time and they're, they're a little nervous and also they kind of got a weird feeling in their stomach. How can, <laughs> how can they make it fun? Well, that's a great question. So maybe not fun, but how they can, how can they take some of the anxiety out of it, which eventually will make it fun? I mean, success is what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So to me, it's this, it's this mindset I talked about up front. And, and a lot of time in my career, when I was working with some of these companies, is what I did is, and I've done this with clients too, is when their sales team's not working out and they're selling sort of a technical product is, you know, we'll, we'll get rid of the, um, uh, the sales team and replace them with engineers and software engineers and customer support engineers, people that really know the product who have never sold before. And they're sort of, you know, anxious about it. And I said, here's the thing. You're not intruding on anybody. You're not going to convince somebody to buy something they don't want to buy. What you're doing is you're providing a service to this customer. And they all understand service. And it's really true. They're providing a service to the customer. And there's a quote I use from Jeff Bezos, founder and CEO of Amazon, in my latest book, Amp Up Your Sales, right at the beginning, because I thought it was one of the best things I'd ever read about sales, sort of encapsulating what sales is in a really brief statement. And it's a quote from him from an interview he gave in the Harvard Business Review, in which he said, you know, we don't make money when we sell things. We make money when we help customers make purchase decisions. And that's really our job in selling, is not to sell something, but to help somebody make a decision. And that's a service we provide. And so that's how you get people into the right mindset, is, is I'm providing a service. They, they want something, they're looking for a solution, and I'm here to help them with that. That, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. And I, I think that's a big one, too, for technology companies, because they, they put all the features in there, and they forget what the features are about they, they forget what their the features are meant to accomplish and i i tell that to people all the time saying you know you know we worked with a lot of attorneys i'm like no one wants a criminal defense attorney they just want want to go to jail <laughs> yeah well, exactly right <laughs> and yeah, uh, it's like the old expression you know, people aren't when they're <laughs> people aren't buying a drill they're buying a hole yep yeah so you need to sell the hole and and you're right you're helping them make the decision on how they're going to make that that hole or how they're going to stay out of jail or how they're going to make their life run smoother. Achieve the objective that they're trying to achieve. Yeah, and that's that's really, you're you're helping them in really respects. What you're trying to do is you're trying to help them form the vision in their mind of what it's going to be like, what life will be like, what their business will be like using your product and service. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's what you're trying. You're trying to create that vision in their mind to buy what they call buyer's vision. You're trying to create that buyer's vision and at least in the business-to-business side, because it's been studied, is that uh, in the tech space, is that if you are the seller that can uh, be the first one to create that buyer's vision in the buyer's mind, that your odds of winning the business stand at 65%. That's, so that's pretty significant in terms of saying, okay, well, how do I how do I get to be first in creating this vision in the customer's mind? Well, it starts with the questions, right? You uncover their objectives, and when you uncover their objectives, then you can start early on, then you can start helping fill in the blanks with the value that you can provide through your solution. First one to do that wins two-thirds of the time. Wow. That's a pretty powerful yeah. statement, and it's just getting someone to think about something. You're not actually, at that yeah, point, so making a decision. Of going in, right, so instead of going in and leading with your presentation that wastes all this time, you're going to be competing at somebody that's going to come in and lead with really great questions. And they're going to be further down the road on the sales process than you are. Because what salespeople tend to think, unfortunately, is, and it's sort of reinforced by the way they do forecasting now with CRM systems and so on, is that, you know, all based on stages, is that salespeople tend to think that if they're in a competitive deal, that all the competitors are at the same stage. 
And it's mm. just not, just not the case. So the customer may make a decision for all of them at the same time, but you may have actually won the deal before the customer even takes proposals from all the other vendors. They've already gonna, at one level, they've chosen you already. And that's really what you want to try to accomplish. Is you want to be in the position where you've actually won the deal, won the sale, what I call win the sale before you win the order. So that means you, that's where you come and lead with questions. You're going to front load the value you're going to offer to the prospect at the beginning of your sales cycle as much as you can. Engage them quickly and deeply. And then the other guys are just playing catch up. What if you're in an industry that you really don't have quote unquote competition? Maybe someone doesn't understand like they understand that what they need, they don't even understand what they need. I've, I've had clients that, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing a new market, a product to market. Mm-hmm. And so they go out and sell and they have to sell some of the features, but how do you go about doing that? Just keep asking more questions or. Well, you, first of all, yeah, I'll clarify your statement is, is that, um, you may not have competitors, but you always have competition. The competition is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So, Again, studies that have come out in the last year saying that in the business-to-business space, at least, that uh, 60% of qualified sales opportunities in pipeline go to no decision on the part of the customer. And to me, that's the worst thing that can happen. Because at least if it went to the point where the customer made a decision, at least I knew that they qualified them appropriately, that they actually were going to make a decision. But you think about you know, at 60%, they, they weren't even committed to making a decision. Now, part of that problem, this is the problem with the sales reps, is they didn't give them a reason to buy. So you may not have any comp- competitors, but you always have competition. And so that competition is the customer maintaining the status quo. So that's really what you're trying to drive at through your questions is, what's the cost of not changing? Wow. And that's the way the customer has to sort of think about it is, yeah, I can stand still, but what's the cost to me if I do stand still? You know, what are the opportunities I'm going to forego? What are the market share I'm going to forego or the profits I'm going to lose, the potential profits I'll lose by not moving forward? And so that's, that's really, in the case with no competitors, that's really the issue you're dealing with. Yeah, they want to achieve an objective, but what, what's going to be the cost to them if they don't make a decision to move forward and change? That's very, very true. And that's, that's a very good point and, and really getting, driving that home and getting that image in there. Um, you know, on a slightly different note, you, you mentioned that you coach CEOs and executives and sales. I'm assuming that these are people not actually directly doing the sales that you're coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's usually that's the CEO that brings me in to, to work with them. And, and how does that work? And, and what, what's that work like? Uh, you know, when you come in and, and do something like that, what, what, what are you doing? I mean, cause obviously you're not just saying, oh, he, you know, here's my, you know, my four best closers. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, what primarily is, is, um, being engaged with the CEO and his sort of management team on, you know, what are the, why are they stuck, basically? I mean, that's, that's when people bring me in because they're stuck. And stuck doesn't mean they're not growing, they're not selling, but it, they're, not, they're not hitting their objectives. They're not scaling quick enough. They're not, uh, maybe their average deal size is stuck too low or they're losing market share to a competitor. There's some dimension of their sales that, that they're stuck. 
And so what I provide is, is new perspectives and new strategies to say, okay, well, what can we do either from, you know, how do we, the questions we ask, how do we approach the customer really from that person to person angle? You know, how do we have to improve our process? How can we be more responsive to our prospects and to our customers in terms of giving them the information they need more quickly in order to help them make decisions more quickly? Um, it's just analyzing what's going on and then coaching them to implement it. And so I really changed a lot of, a long time ago, my business, when I first started my business was, I'd sort of come in and sort of act as like an acting VP of sales. But the problem was, is that when I left, things sort of went back to the way it was before. Mm. And so now, um, you know, in the last couple handful of years, is it's been more about, okay, I really need to teach the CEO and the VP of sales or the sales leader, whoever that is, how they can implement this process, how they can manage it so that, um, you know, they have those skills to be able to do it with my input to be able to take the steps they need to take and manage it themselves. And, and what kind of results have you seen? Well, good results. I mean, it, it's, uh, um, you know, I tend to work with small and mid-sized enterprises mostly and some startups as well. And, um, you know, it really depends on the objectives of the, the principles. I mean, recently I've, you know, had a number of clients that, you know, their objective was to get their company in shape to be able to, to exit. And, you know, we've had some successful exits, uh, for, for CEOs. Um, you know, in other cases, they just want to be able to grow their business and, and, you know, it could be like a solely held company and the, the owner, you know, just wants to make sure he's getting a, you know, the size distribution check at the end of the year that he's accustomed to to maintain his lifestyle. And, you know, we accomplished that for him as well. So it really, there's a, a range of, of outcomes that people want, but, you know, as long as they're committed to making a change themselves. And the way I work with them is basically through weekly Skype calls, uh, where we do, you know, face to face coaching and do in depth review of the prospects they're working on, their processes and so on. But, um, you know, through those weekly calls that engagements can last six months. I've had some that have gone long as, you know, four years to, uh, help them get where they want to be. That's, that's great. That's, uh, that's highly, highly valuable, especially in, in, in coaching people and becoming good sales leaders. Because, I mean, we've all been in those companies where people think they're good sales leaders and we've seen them. And then I've, I've, I've worked with a few of them and they're, they're just not. And, and, and the company's wondering why when we've got this high powered sales leader. And when you can, if you can transform them to asking questions, like you said, and, and having that, those ideas and having that mindset, man, that's powerful stuff. Yeah. And sometimes it's sticky situations because sometimes, you know, CEO is bringing me in because the problem is the sales leader. And yeah, in some cases we've had to make changes. In other cases, if the sales leader gets that it's not there as a threat, but they're, you know, cause oftentimes the VP of sales says, well, gosh, you're bringing in this, this coach. It must be because I'm inadequate. And it's really not the case. It could be just, you just need an objective set of eyes to look at the situation. Yeah. And what, because all, even good, even good people sometimes get stuck where they can't see the forest for the trees. And this third party coming in can really make a huge difference in terms of, Hey, let's do this. Have you thought about this? Let's do these for the next 60 days. See what happens. And then, you know, it can be transformative for them as well. Oh, yeah. And for anyone that, you know, hopefully people listen to this podcast enough to know that, what an advocate of coaching I am, but I mean, you can't look at any 
anywhere. I mean, but sports is always the best example where high performers, no matter how good they are, are looking for coaches to take them to the next level and they need them. You oh, need I have a coach. Yeah. I have a coach. I mean, I, I pay a fair amount of money for a coach. Um, and it's for the same reason because, yeah, I don't pretend, even though I'm not a big business, but I don't pretend that I can see everything objectively that I'm doing or need to be doing. And, you know, already just, uh, I started with a new one a couple months ago and it's just already big, big changes. Awesome. I love yeah. It. So I, that's why I encourage everybody. It's like, it's one of those things you almost, you can't afford not to do. And I don't want that to sound self-serving, but you know, if you're, you know, if you're running a, even a $5 million a year company or $2 million a year company, and you think, gosh, you know, I'm going to spend 20,000 bucks on a coach this year. That's nothing. That's nothing compared to what you're going to get from the upside return. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The upside return, especially if you're at a higher level, but I, there, there's not a single person. And, if, and you know, and you once in a while we'll get a bad coach. That doesn't mean coaching is wrong. It just means that the coaching you just didn't. Well, it wasn't a fit for you. Right. It wasn't and that's, a fit that's for why you. you. Yeah. Find somebody that you have. And that's sort of interesting with me is, is yeah, I'll have, I don't put a heavy clothes on people when they approach me about coaching. In fact, I would say I probably on average, I probably talked to somebody about six months before we, we decide to move forward. Wow. That's great. And that's, that's fine. I mean, I just, I want them to feel comfortable. They'll, they'll, uh, you know, get to know me. They'll, I'll give them a bunch of free advice in the meantime, uh, just so they can get a sense of quality of my thinking and what I do. And like, obviously they see that on the podcast, my blogs and my books mm-hmm. and, and, uh, yeah, but it's really important for them to feel, okay, now's the time. And we get to that point, then they're ready and they're committed to go. That's yeah. And that's such a great mentality. I, I mean, I've worked with coaches before that are, they want it all now. And uh, that way someone's comfortable. And speaking of coaching and free coaching, you've got this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through here. And it's essentially, it looks like, I mean, I haven't listened to everything on it, but it, it just seems like it's just free coaching that you have available <laughs> oh, for it, people. It is. It is. I mean, <laughs> it, it is. Uh, so we go five days a week. We've got you know, the top people in sales. We've got the top people in we've got a bunch of marketing people, management experts, personal development experts um we've had on the show we're actually having more people in personal development because it's you know important i think for anybody in sales to understand what their well in sales and business right entrepreneurs and sales people you know what their mission in life is and it's not just money right there's gonna be something else besides money that's motivating you so you have professional development people come on but all with you know strategies to help you accelerate the growth of your business and um yeah we've got I get emails from people saying, yeah, gosh, I'm, you know, every Monday we, we take an episode of from the previous week and we play it in our sales meeting or another person emailed me saying, yeah, we're using them in our daily sales huddle. We're listening to, cause the, the VP of sales listens to it on his commute in and then gathers with the team and they listen not to the whole episode, but they listen to, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of it. So yeah, it's a great resource and the response has been, been great and the audience is really growing. So we're, we're happy with it and we're going to keep on providing good content. That's great. And that, that's such a good feeling when you get that, that feedback back that someone's using it and utilizing it and changes them. I, that, that inspires me every time. Oh, it does. Yeah. And I, and on top of which I, as I say, it's selfishly, I learn a lot. So, I mean, I, I've learned a tremendous amount from, 
talking to people on a daily basis that I'd never met before and that are doing unique and interesting things. So yeah, it's, it's actually, it's improved my skill set as well. And, um, and it's the name of the podcast is accelerate accelerates with an exclamation mark. And uh, you can find it on my website at andypaul.com or on iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah. And, and how many episodes do you have now? Today we put out our hundredth episode. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. That Thank is you. phenomenal. Um, would you do it? Uh, do you have a strategy? If someone's new to your podcast, where would you have them start? Number one or? Well, what I have them do is, is go to, um, the podcast tab on my website and there's a drop down menu and you can either look at the most recent episodes or you can go to a page that has the entire hundred episodes listed and they're categorized and the categories show as well. And so if you see a category in the right-hand column, let's say like prospecting that you're interested, click on prospecting and every episode that's tagged as prospecting will come up as a search return and or you know whatever category you pick. So then you can narrow it down, the scope down a little bit. But in addition to which, we're going to start publishing in commemoration of our 100th episode over the next couple of weeks on LinkedIn. We'll be publishing uh, articles that are going to highlight five best prospecting episodes, five best uh tools and technologies episodes, five best sales management episodes, and so on. So we're going to, based on uh, popularity, based on number of downloads. And um, so we're going to be putting that out and uh, sort of narrow down the field for people. So if they're interested in, well, about 10 of these uh, unique posts that we'll put out. So, and and you said that'll be on LinkedIn. So if I, I follow you LinkedIn on LinkedIn. and my website, yeah. And your but, website? Okay. But do, do LinkedIn primarily. That's where we do most of our original uh, non-podcast uh, blogging and so on these days, LinkedIn and and uh, you know about thirty thousand people following us right now, and uh, so it's good good stuff. I just clicked follow. Oh, so, excellent! Thank you. So you know you have thirty thousand and one. Thirty thousand and one. <laughs> well, Andy, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Uh, I love talking to people about sales. It's it's interesting, especially the sales mindset that you have because you know the. The old school sales is going by the wayside, but people still need to be great in sales. So I appreciate all the advice. Um, well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. It's been a lot of fun. I, I've got a few last questions. You know, we talked a little bit about mindsets. Mm-hmm. Um, what mindset are you working on right now? Hmm. Interesting. My my personal mindset. Um, Well, you know, one thing I, I continually work on is is mindfulness, and yeah, I'm a big believer in the philosophy of mindfulness and being in the moment and being centered. And I think it it really goes hand in hand with with being curious and asking good questions. Is that you know part of the problem with salespeople is is they're they're distracted and the customer knows it. And it's not just that they're looking at their phone or doing something, but you know, when, when your questions are so scripted and you've got this, you're just sort of following a script is you're not really paying attention to the answer because you're already thinking about the next question you're going to ask. And so for me, you know, the practice of mindfulness is about being in the moment, being there, you know, that you're not in the past, you're not in the present or you're not in the future. You're right there in the present. And then you're really listening to the answers that come back. And that's, that's really, to me, is something that's just sort of a lifelong quest is, you know, how do I, how do I stay in that moment? And, uh, you know, I practice it every day when I'm doing interviews of guests on my podcast. I, I have to be, but with, with, you know, 
prospects and clients. It's just, I think that's a key skill that for everybody, but you know, it's one that I work on. Yeah. And it helps you enjoy life much, much more too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a stress reducer as well. Yeah. And what is either your most influential book or your favorite book you've read recently? Hmm. Um, gosh, there I, <laughs> been a lot. I mean, I, obviously I'm reading a lot of sales books now. Um, so, I mean, I may have give a sales book and a, a couple of marketing books. I mean, a sales book I read recently that I really liked, actually two were, one was called The Sales Development Playbook by a, a friend of mine, a woman named Trish Bertuzzi, who's one of the real experts on inside sales. A uh, great book about how to organize an inside sales team. And then another book uh, called From Impossible to Inevitable, written by a gentleman named Aaron Ross, um, who's really pioneered uh, also sort of the inside sales model. And it's really a follow-up book to one he'd written before called Predictable Revenue that just is full of case studies about how people have implemented uh, this inside sales model or sales development model, they call it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, really, really interesting. Lots of full of great content. And then on the marketing side, I've read two books recently. A really good one is um, called Content Inc. by Joe Polizzi. All about you know how we all have to be content providers and how to do that effectively in order to win business and build grow your business. And then another one I just finished uh, just recently is called um, the CMO or the Chief Marketing Officer's Periodic Table, oh. and it's a book written by a gentleman named Drew Neiser and N E I S S E R, and also just interviewed him for my show. And it, it's um, basically interviews with sixty four. CMOs about um, various aspects of of marketing, all you know, really clear, concise, short capsules. You can consume the book, you know, sort of one at a time, uh, or you know, you don't have to read it from start to finish uh, to get a lot out. And just pick and choose certain examples there. But again, really valuable and great stuff about personal branding, branding, you know, maintaining your core brand values that apply to to selling as well as marketing. Awesome. I, four books I've never heard of, which I'm super psyched about. Oh, I'm adding those to my list. Uh, are there audible versions? Yes, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine there are, yeah. I, <laughs> I can't guarantee it, but I imagine <laughs> if they're not, there will be soon, I'm sure. Okay. I'm a, I'm a big audible guy. Uh, audible and podcasts. It's amazing how much you can consume. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and one last question. What's your favorite quote? <laughs> um. Well, I got two. Uh, one I always sort of muck up, but I mean, one is is uh, from Thomas Huxley, who was an English writer back in the 19th century, and I guess or maybe early 20th as well. Um, and he said, uh, "It's great about learning, and I'm, I'm a passionate fan about learning and trying to get salespeople to embrace becoming lifelong learners, and also you know, becoming specialized in, in what you do." and and he said, uh, know something about everything and everything about something. Oh, that's great. That is a great quote. Love that. And um, another one that I really like is, is um, and I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it's, I used to have it taped on my refrigerator, especially in, earlier in my career, because uh, it was from an American theologian philosopher named Paul Tillich, and yeah, you know, he basically said, you know, an awareness of the ambiguity of 
life's highest highs and lowest lows is a definite symptom of maturity. And, you know, I've always found that to be very, very powerful advice. That is great. Uh, Well, thank you very much uh, for being on the show. Thank you for the uh, the quotes, the books, the sales advice. Uh, Make sure everyone out there, if you want to get better at sales, listen to that podcast. I mean, there's something for every part of your sales system, whether you're just starting out. It's the Accelerate Podcast with Andy Paul. Andy, thank you so much for being on the show. Ian, thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you. This is Ian Garlic, Dow of Inbound. Thanks a lot for taking us on your journey, and you have a great day.